Support for this podcast comes from Frito-Lay in the 2023 Snack Bracket Championship. The Frito-Lay Snacket Challenge is underway, and fans are voting on their favorite snacks to crown champion. We're talking about primetime matchups between the best 64 snacks in the land. Will Ruffles Ridges reign supreme? Can Doritos defend their dynasty? Or will Smart Food use their smarts for a surprise upset? Only you can decide. Get in on all the action for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. Let your snacks be heard. Just go to Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void but prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. We will employ an exciting, fast, explosive, and diverse offense combined with a physical, punishing, relentless, suffocating defense. Purdy rolls right, looking to throw. Benito gives chase, comes back left. Purdy still looking, sets up, balls loose, rolling around in Iowa State territory. Redmond picked it up. Redmond on the run. Redmond scores. Oh, mama. All right, guys, welcome to the Oklahoma Breakdown Podcast, brought to you guys by SB Nation's Crimson and Cream Machine. I'm your host today, Kami Amarabian, and I'm joined by Stephen Brown on this awesome Thursday evening. Uh, there are, Stephen, there's a crap ton of things that have happened today just in the college football world <clears throat> with, with Sooners and recruiting, realignment. There's so much to talk about in this podcast. We, we was already going to be a good podcast. And now we have so much more information and there's going to be so much more content for the next few weeks. So God bless for that. But Steven, how are you doing today, man? Dude, I'm good. I finally finished uh, all my work projects. So uh, you actually woke me up right before the podcast. I'm actually kind of thankful for that because I would have slept through the entire thing. So very, very good day. It's been pretty good chill. day refreshed a little bit after a nap yeah and yeah. and of course yeah, as josh burr says lincoln gonna get smacked around the in, in the in the big 10 yeah <laughs> anybody that is watching on facebook or youtube if you're subscribed i, I encourage you to su- subscribe and hit that bell button feel free to comment along that would be amazing uh because there's going to be a trivia section that you guys can get involved with as well um, so let's 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 dive right into it, right? We have no time to waste. Conference realignment never stops. Me, me, and friend of the pod, Bert, and just good friend in general to both of us. Yeah, Brady Trantham are sitting down eating lunch today, and right before Brady goes to leave, he like we both look up at the TV because uh, we were eating at one of my dad's uh, restaurants, and. It says breaking news, USC and UCLA to the Big Ten. And we just kind of stood there, said a lot of expletives, right? Uh, we were like, holy God, like, you know, just like it, un- just unbelievable, just unbelievable. And then you have other, you know, uh, you know, check marks coming out saying that Heather Dinich said this, talked to a source in the Pac 12 who just told me this is a, is Bob's, Bob Bowlesby all over again. Uh, that the Pac-12 just got soonered and horned. I thought that was interesting. And then Ross Dellinger also says the Big Ten presidents are set to vote to accept the application and memberships of UCLA and USC this evening. They did. It was unanimous. Uh, The Pac-12 presidents are, of course, now scrambling in the 80s or having a call this afternoon. Um, Holy crap. What do you first of all, what's your first take? What are your first takeaways from this? Uh, first and foremost, I mean, the Pac-12 is gone. Like, it's just going to dissolve into nothing. Um, the big benefit beneficiaries are obviously the Big Ten. Um, mm-hmm. And also the, probably the Big 12, because you're looking at a conference that's about to add Arizona, Arizona State, which a couple of years ago we were talking about if the Big 12 expanded, those are yeah. teams we would be looking at. So um, they kind of fell into a very advantageous situation, especially with a new uh, conference commissioner and a guy that mm-hmm. wants – I mean, he's only there – to make a TV deal. He's not there for the sports. He's there to make the big 12 money. And he just got a very nice situation just laid in front of them. Oh yeah. Yeah. The, the big 12. I mean, now you can expand. You can get those Arizona schools. Possibly you could try to get Utah. You could try to go get Colorado. You could, you're of course now 
and I, I was just talking to a group of friends. Do you remember, like, they talked about on ESPN for a little bit, when European soccer talked about starting to make like these European soccer super leagues. Um, this is what exactly is happening in college football right now, right in front of our eyes. You are seeing super leagues being formed. The Pac-12, I don't know, makes it out of this and now the big now the big 12 like you suggest uh is this third pretty per, probably third best conference now if they do absorb some of the teams that we just talked about i mean you can get those arizona schools you get colorado if you could get utah to go along with byu uh, there are lots of things that the that are at the big 12 disposal and man the comedic relief to have Lincoln Riley because you know, the real reasoning behind why he left Oklahoma. He couldn't compete. He felt like he couldn't compete in the sec. That's very well known despite what he's saying that he didn't run from the sec. He ran to the PAC 12 <laughs> just to do a very, very sharp U-turn at the very end of June to go and play with a bunch of blue bloods, uh, mainly just Ohio state, Penn state, uh, uh, Michigan, Michigan a, and a other cloud, other three yards and clouds of dust teams. Um, the the in two years in 2024. Wild, yeah. That's uh, you see, he already tweeted it out too. It was about 30 minutes ago. He's so it was a historic moment for uh, USC after being there for what six months, yeah. A historic moment for USC, <laughs> and they're they're gonna. Man, it's 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 just going to be if so he gets funny. stuck in the same. We'll see how they do the divisions, but if they get stuck in the same division as like Ohio State, that's going to be rough for old Lincoln. Well, and that's where I think that the Big Ten. It was rumored that they kept they, they, there was an. A, I can't remember who alluded to it, but the Big Ten also let somebody that alluded to the Big Ten not being done yet and expanding, which tells me they could have the same format as the SEC, which is. You're going to have your two or three main people and then a rotating interest of other teams right. that pit higher level teams against higher level teams and lower level teams against lower level teams. That way you're still getting in and honestly taking in better uh, level football, no matter where you're at. It's just so intriguing to now to see you have the big 10, which is all like, you know, or all around the great lakes. And now you've like forced it for uh, toward New Jersey and other places, right? Uh, with Rutgers joining in, uh, it went in Maryland too. And then now on the very, very opposite side of the country, you take away USC, but oddly enough, UCLA too. And is that like you, a big brother, little brother thing? And do you think OSU, after seeing this, feels any type of way about that after OU was like, nah, we they don't care? About <laughs> yeah. about Oklahoma State and making it to the SEC, whereas USC is dragging UCLA, who has a great softball team. They have good basketball teams most, or they should have good basketball most teams years. most often. Their football teams are garbage. Yeah, you have to think even though they've been good lately, a, they've been a good little lately. bit missed. So, um, I think the other person I was thinking about, like, oh man, like if I could just see the reaction, would be uh, David Bourne. And he'd be like, oh, we were just this close, this close. Yeah, David Ward was already that close. And I, I kept on thinking about Bob Bo Bob Bowlesby um, and just how how pissed this guy has to be that OU in Texas is bell cows, leave the conference under his watch, and he just got turned into a verb. Um, you know, they're Bowlesbead, right? You know, they had no idea, no idea what was going on. And now the Big 12 looks like the third strongest conference out of all the other major conferences because now they have the opportunity to absorb most of the Pac-12 and other schools if they wanted to. Just so wild. So um, super conferences on the way. Like You already kind of suggested this. Conference winners are obviously SEC from just prior stance because they're getting Oklahoma and Texas adding to their arsenal teams that are blue bloods, by the way. Obviously, the Big Ten is a big winner here, and losers, Pac-12, and <laughs> would you, a winner, another winner is the Big 12, would you say the ACC 
um, or per, in particular certain teams maybe are losers here? I would definitely say the ACC is probably a loser um, today just because of the fact that you look at the Big Ten and the rumors going around that they may look and, and try to grab uh, Oregon and Washington as well. Well, then the SEC needs to expand to kind of match that. And then you'd have to think they're probably going to look at Clemson or like Florida State or someone like that to add to the SEC. So I would definitely, if I'm the ACC, I'm sweating a little bit. Yeah, the ACC, Notre Dame. Uh, gosh, I, I wonder what I wonder what some of those teams are thinking right now. Um, but yeah, conference realignment never stops. I don't think it's over. Of course, uh, it was they, their membership was accepted tonight, and it's going to be. It could. It was rumored to be as official as for Friday, which is obviously tomorrow, or maybe today if you're listening to it in podcast form. Let's switch gears a little bit. A lot of news. There's just a lot of news that came out today. Jackson Arnold, who is at the Elite 11 competition for quarterbacks, the best quarterbacks in the country, wins MVP. He was consistently number one at top of the board when they were doing their Elite 11 QB rankings uh, every uh, at the end of every day, and he wins MVP. Oklahoma, what is Oklahoma getting in Jackson Arnold? I mean, of course, there's Malachi Nelson was still in that class, and Malachi Nelson was always a guy that was right up there with Jackson Arnold with how he was rated about these top guys that are rating QBs. And, of course, they're not in real game situations. This is pitch and catch. But what kind of quarterback is Oklahoma getting in Jackson Arnold? Because originally he was a four-star, and people thought, okay, we can work with this, right? We can work with this and Nick Evers coming in from Florida as well. But then you start to see, oh, he got his fifth star. Oh, now he is the MVP at an Elite 11 camp. So who who yeah. is he? What, what, are, what is Oklahoma getting? Well, you have to remember that uh, Jackson Arnold kind of just sprung out of nowhere. Um, kind of a no-name that – that arrived on the scene his junior year, and a lot of people started taking notice of that. And um, on, honestly, his progression from where he was, you know, um, early junior junior to where he is now is insane. Um, he's a guy that looks very crisp. He looks like he's really adapted to the game. Um, his football IQ looks a lot better. Um, I've seen a lot of comps out there, and people are still trying to figure out what he might comp to. But I kind of look at it as like maybe a Matt Corral 2.0, but maybe a little bit more sharper um, with his arm because he's a guy that can make feet or make uh, moves with his legs, um, can throw the ball, but um, he's kind of that scrappy. He's not, he's not a Kyler Murray or like a Justin Fields. He's a very scrappy runner. So um, I think he'll take his chances um, downfield in Levy's offense. And that's kind of what Matt Corral did as well. Oh, that's a good comp. And I, I think he's big, a little bit stronger. He looks he looks a lot thicker he's than Matt Corral sturdy, was. Yeah. yeah. And so in Jackson, Arnold, of course, is going to be pretty instrumental in flipping one of the other DBs from Denton Geyer that we talked about that last week. Uh, Yates and Bowens, uh, both at Denton Geyer with Jackson Arnold. He might be pretty instrumental in taking care of one of those guys and making one of them a sooner because Oklahoma is in on both of them if they can be. And so the Aggies today, after Saban, and others have completely crapped on Jimbo Fisher and the way Texas A&M is <laughs> doing their NIL and, and getting recruits was caught legitimately in 4K. Like, that's the saying, but he they were caught today because they were being video as a tour, you know, as you would, right, with recruits. It might have been a parent. I don't know where the video came from. It might have come from a recruit. might have come from a parent. Uh, that was there, or I, I, I don't know, but there, it was clear, a spy. clearly it was a person um, that should have been there, right? Uh, they're very clear about those those passes <laughs> and like who has access to what, and they caught a guy saying, "Y'all, y'all will get a lot of money from the people in these suites." And he points at the suites in the stadium at College Station. He says, "If you come play here." that guy is never going to be seen ever again. And <laughs> like, he's just like, like the movie Beaver Vendetta when like black bag just plays over people's heads and you just never hear from him again. That's probably what's going to be happening to this guy from Jimbo Fisher. And does it just prove Nick Saban, right? Or is this just what, what the, the natural kind of like vibe of NIL is going to be like, if you come here, you could get a lot of thousands of dollars from these donors up in these suites. Well, isn't this just classic Aggie? 
uh, I mean, they accomplished what they needed to accomplish and made Saban kind of look like a bad guy for a couple months. And, and everyone kind of maybe felt for the Aggies in a little bit of a way, but this video comes out um, and you look at Jimbo's comments denying that they, they pay players or their recruiting's based on NIL um, and, you know, m- no money's involved, anything like that. And that video comes out today and it's just like, okay, it's like, how, well, there's gotta be some quality control. Like you can't just have someone filming that. You just and shoot yourself right in the foot, but it's so funny because Miami, Oregon, Tennessee—they're already already having the NCAA raise eyebrows about NIL, and I mean Texas A&M. You, we everybody already knew, but they've already now it's <laughs> everywhere. Like it's it's damning. That's a, that's more than a smoking gun. Well, I just saw like, the guy get shot. Miami know? doesn't even try to. They don't even try to hide it. But yeah, no. Texas A&M literally called a press conference to try to hide it. And that just makes. And doesn't that make Jimbo Fisher <laughs> like he already looks, looks like, like a dumbass? He he looks like a dumbass. But didn't he already look sleazy with that greased back hair and the way he presented oh, yeah. himself? And now he looks even more of a crook. You know. Oh man, like that's that's just pure Aggie. That's pure Jimbo Fisher. That's I'm surprised Billy Lucci wasn't there just handing out hundred dollar bills like he usually does, or hanging out at urinals asking recruits questions stuff like that. That was the other guy. Oh, was it the other guy? Yeah, I can't remember his name. The one that that followed Stephen Parker. Yeah, that followed Stephen Parker into the bathroom. Yeah. That that's what you're getting in 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 A and M. It is a legitimate cult. I mean, I will I will take that to the grave with me. Um, we have to talk about other guys. Um, uh, we we've got two recruits that have committed. Oklahoma's up to nine in their class. In offensive lineman Heath Azeda from Washington. Um, did I looked at a lot of his film? Did a write up of him. Really quick feet. Pad level is is just super high. Uh, he, he likes to drive his opponents into the ground, doesn't have many big time offers, but has offers from a, a lot of PAC 12 schools specifically in, in just like specifically institutions that have really, really, really high academic, uh, requirements. I mean, if one of the first things on your huddle film is that you have like a 3.9 GPA, I think that signals a lot of things. And then you also get some sites label him as an athlete, some sites label him as a as a linebacker, and people are just not sure what to say. Uh, and I think that's the whole point in this defense with Brent Venables in today, which I think is going to be a cheetah position, and Sam Omasigo uh, from Texas. Some say he's a three-star. Some say he's a four-star. Um, and then, of course, DeMarco Murray tweets out Yamaha last night, and that would suggest... Well, he does that only when they get a recruit, specifically a running back recruit. And we've been talking about Daylon Smothers for the last two weeks. Steven, we, we talked about Ozeda. I've just mentioned Ozeda, Omasigo, and Daylon Smothers. What's Oklahoma getting specifically in Ozeda and Omasigo? And then we talked a lot about Smothers <laughs> last week. We can talk about him when he officially commits. Okay. Uh, Ozeda, he's a very interesting prospect to me. Um, you kind of already alluded to it. He's a guy that, um, some people has labeled as like athlete almost, um, because he has that tight end build. Um, he's just not a very big guy for a tackle. Um, but uh, the flip side is he's very athletic moves very well. Um, and one thing that kind of stood out is he likes to finish his, his blocks. He will drive people right into the ground. So, um, yeah, there's some concerns about how he'll fill out at the college level. You know, maybe he just doesn't, but if he does, you know, you look at a guy like, uh, maybe in a similar situation, be like Tyler Guyton for Oklahoma, mm-hmm. a guy that can move very well, but still pretty lean. Um, so, you know, he gets the weight programs, you know, Smidgey bulks, bulks him up. He's a guy that could absolutely start for Oklahoma in three years from now. He's a guy that could fill out and be maybe an all conference player. So. Um, there's that, that upside there, but also you also have to look at the floor and, and kind of those, those concerns with the size at the moment. So, and then going to Omasigo, mm-hmm. I, I love his film. He's a very athletic linebacker, a guy that kind of flips almost like in a Kenneth Murray way in his high school film flips between a safety and a linebacker and kind of plays that, 
that cheated position that you alluded to. So he's a guy that, that has a lot of speed, very physical, and he has the size to back it up. So I think they got a very it's almost a steal at that point from Seago. The way he gets downhill and hits people just with the violence and anger in his eyes is enough to tell me about the kind of player he is. I mean, again, he plays safety and wide receiver on his high school football team. And it's he's got ball skills. Yeah, it's weird. He's got ball skills, but he's also huge. 6'1", 200-something, 220, somewhere around there. Uh, it's it's just wild to think about it. Now, who's on deck as far as PJ Adebare, who I love as a prospect, and then offensive line, uh, offensive offensive lineman Caden Green. What are those guys specifically Adebare, who I just I think have he hasn't played football that long, and um, he's six four, has a seven foot wingspan at the edge what is oklahoma getting in both these guys uh as as prospective guys that are very likely leaning sooners yeah out of bar i mean you kind of look at him and he, you have to look at like a like a david aguebu type guy that's just huge he's just a massive guy that can move um i think he's a little more twitch to him um he won't really play the inside linebacker like uh like uh aguebu does but obviously a guy that you can get on the field and he can make an instant impact as a guy that you know, maybe you miss out on a by Job, and but you get out of Barre, who's probably going to end up as like a top 100 player, most likely in the in the country. So, um, Oklahoma, you know, should they finish it out, is getting a, a great great prospect there at the edge. And then if you look at Caden uh, Green, another guy that moves extremely well for his size, probably a little bit more college ready um, than Ozeda, but mm-hmm. um, we're looking at a guy that's probably going to be a fringe five star at the end of the day. Um, very vicious blocker moves well, big body. So that would be a big win for, for Bill Biedenboe. Yeah. And I, I, I love Adabare. I love what his potential can bring. He is relatively new to organized football and just to see what Brent and what Miguel Chavis can do with him. Um, something that signals that almost ego is definitely being recruited as that cheetah to me is he's being recruited by Brandon Hall, who's their safeties mm-hmm. coach. I think that says a lot, right? Um, if you're if you were gonna actually play put a linebacker, you'd be one back coach or defensive ends coaches, not necessarily Brandon Hall, in my opinion, right? Like well, he's a guy that you can you can probably put in your base personnel and flex between is can he be like a linebacker safety? So you don't really have to like if some of the team goes tempo, you can have Osima or Omasigo on the field almost the entire time. Yeah. And that and that's the whole point with Canic, right? That's what he can do. Right. People like that that can do. You can go from a base four three, and you can also put guys on the outside. You can go to a four two five uh, seamlessly now with these guys that are athletic as all get out. They're not too big, they're not too small, but they want to hit and can cover well in space. Um, it's going to be really intriguing. And so, kind of going on for Nelly today. Uh, told Sooner fans to plug their ears on a podcast, I believe, or on some sort of stream because it was mentioned, who's the next team that can Nebraska themselves? And Oklahoma was brought up. <laughs> how in the hell do you get that through? How, how, how do you think? seasons like yes did oklahoma experience the 90s they did were they successful for a certain part of the 90s was it like national title success no but were they like complete crap for the entire 90s they weren't they were ranked actually a couple a few years in the 90s and then they see bob stoops in 99 and so nebraska cut themselves off from those recruiting hotbeds they were no longer in seeing Texas. And now you have to navigate Ohio, which Ohio State has a total death grip on. You're not going to get into Michigan. And you really have in like in Nebraska is not like Oklahoma as far as recruiting grounds. Oklahoma at least has 
they're going to have some really good preps coming out of the metro area. You'll typically have, what, two or three, one to one to two every year out of the OKC metro. And then you'll have roughly three to four guys from the Tulsa area that are really good recruits. Um, and just from Tulsa, Nebraska doesn't even have those pipelines. <laughs> and so Oklahoma obviously shares a border with Texas. You have Arkansas next door, Missouri, which is right there. Oklahoma cherry picks more of Kansas's best talent than Oklahoma cherry picks Oklahoma's talent, which is infuriating. And then you're going to now join a league in which you are going to be interacting with Louisiana and everybody else in the Southeast. Why? I don't understand these takes that Oklahoma is going to be the next Nebraska. Well, it's just the easy take to get, right? Because you look at Nebraska, and it's a team that I really don't think they totally cut themselves off from the recruiting grounds as much as they just kind of refuse to do it. Um, they also made several bad coaching decisions, um, you know, after Polini, and they just kind of tanked from there. So I look at it as more of a leadership standpoint. So, um, you know, Oklahoma moves to the SEC. I don't think they'll be in Nebraska so long as Joe Castiglione is the AD because he just – he's been known to make great decisions with, with coaching hires. So mm-hmm. um, you also look at like a Brent Vittables. If you want to talk, talk about this from a recruiting standpoint, Brent has recruited across the country. He's, he's known in high schools across the country. You look at some of his, his top prospects, uh, Maryland, Texas, uh, Las Vegas, Connecticut, Georgia. He can go all around. He can pull top tier talent, um, you know, pr- from pretty much anywhere in the country. He just needs just like what Oklahoma does is they need to prove it on the field first. So I don't really think Oklahoma is going to tank. Maybe they do have a bad season here and there. That's going to happen to pretty much every program in the country outside of maybe Alabama right now until, until Saban is gone. But uh, being Nebraska, that's just, that's kind of asinine. Yeah, it's, it's ridiculous. And so anyways, moving on to, other things, Oklahoma baseball just wrapped up their season. Uh, Cade Horton is a guy in particular that uh, was leading Oklahoma from the mound uh, on, on game two uh, against the Mississippi. And the man delivered, what, 13 strikes through like seven innings, uh, breaking more Big 12 records, especially for being in the College World Series. And he's really skyrocketed up some boards as far as possibly being a first round selection. Of course, baseball's draft is like super weird in comparison to other drafts that you would have there. They have like several rounds, like far beyond one or two or seven. Um, And so, but Kate, man, kudos to him after coming off a Tommy John surgery, fresh uh, as uh, in a redshirt freshman season, really, really, really killed it for OU during their postseason. So good for him. I saw him at, you know, uh, I'm a teacher. Uh, he's Norman High Zone. He's a great person. He's very humble. He's an even better person than he's an athlete. And that's saying, uh, that's saying a lot. But I've got trivia for you, Steven. And <laughs> I, I'm, I'm, re- I'm, I'm ready to see where you're at. Of, of course, Jack should be here. But he had one last second thing to pop up. And so he has a little bit of homework to do. But we're going to see what you know. And you people that are watching live, I know you are there because I can see your numbers on my phone and everything else. Feel free to chime in as well. I have 11 questions for you. Are you ready? Let's do it. We'll see how let's see how you how you how you fare. Who or what? was the first Sooner mascot in their history. Oh, God. I should know this one. I'm trying to think what it was back then. You're talking about like the... The very first mascot Oh, you had. Who is it? Or or what is it? It's definitely something. (laughs) I have no idea. It was... Mex and he was a chihuahua. Oh, he was a chihuahua. Right. I've fun, seen the uh, the Twitter handles of that one. Fun fact: he was basically just a stray dog that somebody picked up during uh, the Mexican Revolution, and the guy relocated to Oklahoma. And basically, this dog uh, he relocated relocated Oklahoma, and then 
He ended up working with the football team and they just put a OU sweater on him and he was the he was the mascot. And then they lost to some university or college and it was conveniently that day Mex was lost and people blamed the loss on losing the Chihuahua, but he was found. Um, and so, but yeah, he he is buried in a casket somewhere underneath the stadium is a rumor. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, you can go out there with like a metal detector, like a sonar. Yeah, yeah, just like, like just kind of looking for bones, dog bones. How how many feet underneath? How many feet underneath do you think they would have to bury the, that dog? Well, you think like He's a minimum a three feet? Yeah, yeah, maybe two feet. Yeah, who knows? Um, all right, Oklahoma technically has four rivals. Can you name all four? Nebraska, Texas, Arkansas, and Oklahoma State. So call Oklahoma State a rival. I I would say that is a fair fair judgment, <laughs> but apparently Oklahoma's and I was I was looking this up. Oklahoma's four major rivals are OU uh, has Oklahoma State, Texas. Um, they also have Nebraska, but substitute Missouri for Arkansas. Have you really? ever felt like Missouri was a rival? I would have never guessed that. Not even with the Chase Daniels era, mm-hmm. which lasted like 12 years. So yeah, that, that is that they are, they are actually rivals, but nobody I would imagine would account that is it as a rival. I think many people <laughs> would suggest what you just said. They would count Arkansas as more of a rival than right. Missouri. Um, can you name all seven of Oklahoma's Heisman Trophy winners? Uh, Steve Owens, Billy Sims, Jason White. Was that three? Sam Bradford, Kyler Murray, uh, Baker Mayfield. What am I at? Six? Mm-hmm. Oh, God. And which what? ones have you said so far? Jason White, Sam Bradford, Kyler Murray, Baker Mayfield, Steve Owens, Billy Sims. I think I'm missing someone like super obvious. You're missing the first one. All right. Who is it? It's Billy Vessels. Billy Vessels. Okay. It's pretty bad. Someone's going to roast me on Twitter for over, this. Over, over three. Stephen Brown is over three. I'm going to get on, roasted on Twitter. On, on, on Oklahoma trivia. And, all right. All right. Let's go to the next one. Name at least four OU folks. And I'm saying folks instead of players or coaches because you can be inducted as a player or coach. Name at least four OU folks in the College Football Hall of Fame. Bob Stoops. Uh... Barry Switzer, College Football Hall of Fame. Can I say Teddy Lehman? He's not in yet. You he's could te- say he's te- it. He's he's nominated, I believe. Hmm. We'll we'll put that in there. You put it in there. Pulls uh, there. Um, Holloway. Is he in the College Football Holloway Hall of Fame? I don't actually, I do believe so. I'm going to do a little bit more research. I think he is, but I love how you took the, uh, I love how you took the coach approach to go for at least, I would have expected you to go Bud Wilkinson too. just three coaches and one player. Yeah. That would have been easy. That would have been the easiest way out. You could, uh, you Billy Sims, you could have said Billy Sims as an easy one. He's a He is the loudest one there. But I, um, I don't know. If, I don't know. I, I don't know if Teddy Lehman is in. I don't think he's yet. in yet. I think he's just nominated. Yeah, I mean, of course he'll get in. He's a two-time or he, yeah, he's a two-time buckets winner. So yeah. he will certainly get in that. Um, all right. How many unclaimed or unrecognized titles does OU have? The does the OU football program have? They have seven that they claim and that they recognize. How many more? That are unclaimed. That are that can be claimed, but are not claimed by them. Um, say what? There's six more, maybe seven more. 
There are 10 more. Okay. From like the 40s? Actually, uh, the 50s. it's from the Switzer era. Really? Mm-hmm. Some early on, but mostly from the Switzer era. Huh. Man, Steven. I'm not, bad. I'm not bad at too well I just woke test. up for you're what it's worth. Well I just woke up. Test. It's it's not good. All right. I slept in. Some of this some of this might be a little bit easier. This is easing it up a little bit. Who has the most passing yards for their OU career? The most in their OU career. Isn't it Landry? It's Landry Jones. Stephen Brown is on the board. He's only been there for seven seasons, so. All right. Who had the most passing yards in one season, though? Oh, man. Is it still Landry? Uh, was it Sam? It was Sam Bradford. Can yeah. you guess the year? It, I won't count it against you. 2008? It was 2008. Sam Bradford, 2008. And who has the most passing yards in a game? Could It, it could be anybody. I want to say it's Baker from the Texas Tech game. It is Baker Mayfield, and Stephen Brown is once again on the board. <laughs> However, was not that Texas Tech game. He, uh, it was 2017 versus Oklahoma State. Okay, was that the, was that an overtime game? I don't think it was. Mm-mm, no, because that's they, when they that's they when just, Trey Sermon. Yeah, they just kept on going back to back. I think that was the game where he had he had the interception, but Parno Mott not. Was it Motley? No, it wasn't Motley. Uh, Will Johnson had the interception at the goal line. <laughs> yeah. I think. I think that was the year. It was in the end zone. And then uh, uh, then Sermon finished it off with like a 60-yard run or something like that. I think that was I think that was it. I can't remember. Um it, I yeah. It that would have to be it because uh DD Westbrook got knocked out of the other game. Yeah. So, all right. Let's go on. The Sooners have five players within 81 yards of each other for the most rushing yards in career history. Within 81 yards rushing. Who is number one? Who has the most rushing yards in OU history? Is it an older one? I don't know. Is it? Because I would want to go with Quentin Griffin because I know he had Mm -hmm. a monster season, but I don't Mm -hmm. think that's it. But I'll go Quentin Griffin just for continuity. It is Samaj P. Ryan. Good grief. He played three seasons. I feel like it was. Good. Samaj, I feel like he was there for like five seasons. He did. And they leaned on him so much. And of course, it helps. You have a 400 yard Kansas (laughs) game. Um, That's why I did not put who has the most in a game because that one is very obvious, but also helps that Trevor Knight was your quarterback. That's very true. And you had the early iteration of the offensive (laughs) line with Jerry Schmidt still intact. Um, But I said, there are five players within 81 yards of each other for the most rushing yards in OU history. Can you name the other four running backs or players? that have the other highest total rushing yards? Um, Don't think too hard on this one. Adrian Peterson, Quinn Griffin, Joe Washington, and Billy Sims. You are so close. Who would be the... Th- oh, you had God, Sims was- right. You had Washington right. You had Peterson right. Steve Owens over Quinn Griffin. Okay. So earlier guy. All right. Last two questions left and Steven has three points. You could get, get out of here with a 50. <laughs> are we changing these questions for Jack? Cause I know he's going to listen. We should change it. We are going to change the questions for Jack. That's correct. Yep. That we must do that now. Thank you for Frank. Damn. Yeah. No, no, no same tests. No same tests. That's correct. Which sooner has the most career rushing touchdowns in Oklahoma history? Career rushing touchdowns. Wouldn't it be Samaje? It is indeed Steve Owens. That's what I said. (laughs) (laughs) But which sooner has the most rushing touchdowns in one game? Don't think hard. In one game? Wasn't there one with five? There is a 
couple with five and one with six. One with six. This was a very special one. Um, I have no idea. A very special game, and it was not played in in Norman, but it also wasn't played at the opposing team stadium either. So it's a neutral site. Mm, it might have been a neutral site. Samaje? No, it was a Blake Bell. You're killing me. It's Quinn and Griffin. He had six touchdowns, All 2000 right. versus Texas. Listen, it's been a long week. Everybody's going to kill Steven on, it, no. on Twitter. I'm just going to turn off my DMs. Yep. I just take them off. It's not going to be good. Oh, you are going to get dragged. That's okay. It's okay. <laughs> it's fine. I'll protect. I'll protect you. Nothing's protect worse you. than uh, our boy Keegan, though. <laughs> I'll, I'll always have that. I'll I'll protect. I'll protect you, Stephen. Um, a little bit more. A little bit more things going on. How about this? Today's episode is brought to you by Cars.com. With over 2 million vehicles and 50,000 more added every day, Cars.com will match you with the perfect car for you, your budget, your life, your style. And if you're ready to say goodbye to your current car, Cars.com will get you an instant offer to cash it in. Just start by entering your license plate and get matched with a local dealer who will write you the check. So whether you're looking to buy or sell, just go to Cars.com. It's magical. This episode is sponsored by State Farm. Buying insurance can be complicated, and you might have a lot of questions, like, what if my policy doesn't cover that? Or, what if I need to make a claim in the middle of the night? Good news, State Farm is there for all your what-ifs. You can reach them 24-7, talk through any questions with your agent, and you can even file a claim on the State Farm mobile app. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Call or go to statefarm.com to get a quote today. You have the opportunity to form a pickup basketball team with five players on the current roster from the 2022 iteration of the Oklahoma Sooners. Who are you picking for these five? This is going to be a tough one because obviously my, my number one pick is going to be Jalen Redmond because mm. he's already a good basketball player. I was going to say Nathan Rollins Kabonga, but he's technically not on the roster, even though he's still listed on on Oklahoma's website. Um, i trying to think what my, my, my best friend Sam Presti would do in this situation. Yeah, you and we'll Sam go, have a great uh, relationship. <laughs> I saw Poku the other day. said hi to him. Say hi back? Uh, yeah, he did. What a nice guy. I'm going to go with like a very rangy, rangy uh, basketball team. So I'll go with like a, right. a Joseph Wete. Okay. I'll have Redmond kind of be that, that big guy down low. Okay. And then I'm going to go with like, uh, see what we can get here. Maybe like a Jaden Gibson would definitely fit my basketball team's look. Mm-hmm. You're going straight length. I think Bryson Washington also played some basketball, so I'll take him. So that, that gives me some range and some skill. Mm-hmm. And, um, I'll go Key Lawrence. It's a good basketball team, you know? I, I, I was going to go this. So starting center, I want a big guy. I want a guy with long arms. And I want a smart guy. A guy can, you know, make those the, the smart passes. So I picked Andrew Rame at center. I have no idea if this man has basketball experience, <laughs> but he's going to be the center. He just, I just want you to stand there, get rebounds, and make good passes. Because... They have to make good reads up front. So I figured, why not Andrew Rame? At power forward, I certainly did take Jalen Redmond as well. Um, so because you took Jalen, I'm going to say I'll take Braden Willis at power forward. He's still, he can get above the rim. He could dunk. That's a good Again, one. no idea if he has any basketball experience, but going to go with that one. On the wing, I'm going to go and, and, 
you already, you already chose Key Lawrence, but I'm going to choose Key Lawrence too, just because I know he'd be a great defender, especially on the wing, and just a guy that would probably dunk above the rim and talk a lot of trash. And I like those kinds of guys on my team. Very scrappy. Yes, very scrappy. Uh, very like our court, our rules guy. I appreciate that. And I would also have another more speedy wing in Marvin Mims. Again, he could be a guy that slashes to the rim. No idea if he has a jump shot. And just for pure chaos, my point guard is going to be the quarterback, but the quarterback of the defense, and it's going to be Danny Stutzman. <laughs> that would be a very interesting look for a for a point guard. Yeah, they got that mustache flowing. Can I go with like a six-man? Yeah, you, you get a six-man. So I want someone that's going to be very consistent. I can rely on them when I put them in. And my sixth man, I got to go with Drake Stoops. You just got to. You better stay out at that three-point line when he comes <laughs> in, right? For obvious reasons. So I have, I have reasons. a bunch of like six, three guys, six, five guys, but I'll have Drake Stoops at five, ten. All right. Then I, then I get, then I get a sixth man. Um, let me go. No, oh, man, that's tough. How about just 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 to be hyper athletic? Let's just go, Eric Gray. Let's just, let's just we'll throw him out on the court, slashing, just try try to get to the rim, just try to get to the rim. Most of these guys are just gonna try to get to the rim, um, pretty much. There's not any shooting on this unless anybody <laughs> of these guys listen to the podcast. There might be some shooting on this, but a lot of people are talking about their most memorable moments. Um, the other, on the other day on Twitter, I was I asked people who their favorite linebacker was growing up, and to quote a picture of it, got a lot of great pictures and a lot of really, a lot of rangy pictures too. I got I mine was I put Teddy Lehman right. Uh, he was my favorite player growing up. I always wore number eleven um, as as uh, as a kid in like Pee Wee, like you know football and junior high and yada yada. Um, and, but you know, yeah, you had a lot of other guys that were out there. Of course you had Rufus, you had a lot of the old timer guys, you had a ton of boss. Um, so kind of shifting it, what's the member number member? What is the most memorable moment for <clears throat> you as a sooner fan that you witnessed live in person? I'm going to go with two, two different ones. So like my first ever uh, quote unquote game would have been a spring game when I was growing up, little kid, and uh, never seen him live before. But so this is my first time seeing OU. I was like super hyped. Um, then like after the spring game, all the players were out in front of the Switzer Center on the uh, the southeast side signing autographs, and I was like, I was like, I got to get one, but I, I was like almost kind of too scared to do it, mm-hmm. kind of thing. So mm-hmm. uh, Adron Tanell, oh, Adron Tanell came up and signed. Sign my little thing. I think Ryan Peoples did too. Ryan Peoples so, did more, and Adrian Tanell was a five-star yeah. crew. <laughs> yeah. But uh, actual game, I would say like OU Nebraska 2008, probably. Okay. Uh, it was like the the night before I had a, a high school football game, and I had like I don't think I had like three touchdowns. We still lost because we were terrible, but I was like, oh man, that was like one of the best games I'll ever have, and uh, my. Uh, offensive coordinator like gave me tickets to the game and brought me there so i watched nebraska just absolutely get dragged mm-hmm. in memorial stadium which that was, was the Cal- callahan year yeah yeah bill callahan was still their head coach uh i think he was i, thought I was think Pol- that was ma- maybe Polini's first year maybe it was not. either Polini's first year or right before or right before Polini. but like like quentin cheney was just just went off that game i think he had like over a hundred yards receiving. So it was pretty cool. I was right near the field and everything. Mine would be 2002. And it was OU Nebraska. Oh uh, no, OU Nebraska. It was OU versus Alabama in Norman. And that was uh, where Oklahoma got up early. Um, even though Nebraska, not, why do I keep on calling them Nebraska? Alabama <laughs> Alabama onside kick to start the game or the half or whatever it was. I can't remember. It's it's been 20 years, literally. And and Oklahoma got up and suddenly Alabama takes a lead in the second half. 
And Oklahoma, of course, Jason White goes down, his knee buckles, it's an ACL, right? It's his first, it's the first one. Uh, his order is the second one. The first one was the previous year in Lincoln, Nebraska. And then I remember, you know, there was a shovel pass to Ronaldo works to, to the left side of the field. And they got like 30 yards off of that. And subsequently Alabama was not backing up. And Brent, Mus- Brent Musburger on the call was saying Alabama is not backing up in Oklahoma. Two plays later, I believe there's a shovel pass to the right again to Ronaldo works who, Gets through the line of scrimmage, he eludes a couple of tacklers, and then I think one of the most memorable parts of that run is you see his offensive lineman's on the ground who's about to get up, but sees Ronaldo Works is about to jump over him, so you see him put get his body back down to the ground, and Ronaldo goes streaking down the sideline, down inside like the 10-yard line for Kewan Jones to finish it off, but I remember thinking the stadium was so loud I that freaking that freaking tie, crimson tide mascot elephant was in our section and people were throwing stuff at him. Um, and the crowd was so loud that the stadium was shaking. And I remember as a as a kid, I was like, "Holy crap, is this safe? Like, are we like, are we safe here? Is this stadium about to fall apart because it got that loud? It was it was wild, and that was probably the most memorable atmosphere I've been to. Um, it's just. It's been a minute since it's been like that in that stadium. Uh, that was really special. And so brings us to my last point of the podcast. We're going to do one bold prediction a week until the month of August starts, which is going to be about four weeks away. Um, Steven, what is your one bold prediction? It can be for this team for this coming year. It could be about recruiting. It could be be about anything. But what is your one bold prediction for this Oklahoma Sooners team? I'll go. uh, I'm going to split this. I'm going to go with like a performance base. I think Oklahoma will beat Texas twice this season, this upcoming season, win the Big 12. That'll be my my bold prediction. And then um, I'll also say that the OU will finish with a top 10 recruiting class. Okay. I think a lot of people would love to hear that, right? That love to hear Oklahoma would that, finish with a top ten recruiting class. Bold enough? Yeah. Like right now, it seems like Oklahoma's going to finish like fiftieth, according to uh, Twitter. But yep. No, I, I, I think with the guys that they're in on, the guys that are high on them so far, uh, and the guys that are just pending, right? <laughs> You're just kind of waiting uh, because of Brent Venables' style of recruiting. Kind of makes sense. Uh. I think the only thing that's more, I think that that's way less bold than saying Oklahoma is playing Texas this coming, this twice next, this coming year. Right. I think that's pretty bold. Yeah. I think they'll, they'll, they'll play Texas twice and they'll win both times. Oh, Ooh, that, yeah. that would be fun. That would be my bold prediction. I would enjoy that a lot for a lot of, for a lot of reasons. So that would be a, a big 12 championship. Oh, that'd be fantastic. Oh, that'd be wonderful. Um, yeah, no, yeah, that's that's great. Ooh, where then? The, what record would you have Oklahoma at then? For that one, how many how many wins after that conference championship game do you would you say they would have then? Be twelve and one. I still think they'll lose. They'll drop a game. Okay, oh, that's fair. Yeah, I, I don't. I'm not. I'm not under this illusion that Oklahoma is going. They're not. Not, not perfect. Not a perfect roster and. There's just circumstances that that will probably be there, and they'll they'll drop a game that they shouldn't. I think that's fair to say, especially with a new head 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 coach and a new staff coming in in right. general. I think that's more than okay to say. Uh, but I'm going to be very curious to see how Brent Venables responds in that position of leadership while having an offensive coordinator and and a defensive coordinator too. Having those moments that he's able to step aside away from being that defensive coordinator and be that head man to make those head decisions in moments that are very pivotal. Whereas Lincoln Riley was the OC and the head coach. He did not necessarily have the ability to step away from everything and live in like, okay, what is the most strategic thing? He's just thinking about his offense at that time. And so I'm very curious to see how that will go along. So, Beating Texas twice and only losing once and winning the conference championship. Bold prediction. I like that one. I'm very curious to see your next three. Tell me if this was hot. 
and this is my bold prediction. And I'm kind of splitting it too, like you just did. OU is it is top in the Big 12 in forced turnovers. However, they are near the bottom near in the bottom of the Big 12, or I guess you might say top of the Big 12 in plays given up, meaning that they're going to force turnovers the most in the Big 12, but they're also going to give up several big plays. I could see that being a possibility because I think they'll be very, they'll be far more athletic on the back end. And I think they'll have a lot more size um, in their linebacking core. So I could see them forcing some turnovers, but also you look at it as a, a, your first year under a new defense and with an actual playbook, there, there's bound to be some mistakes. And that was one of the gripes that Venables had on his way out was, oh, there's so many big plays because he blitzes a ton. Stay true to what you are. Blitz, that's going to leave people uncovered. That's just the nature of the game. You take your chances. I didn't feel like I didn't feel like the second part was too hot because that's just Brent Venable's defense, but I think OU has the capability. I mean, they're bringing back a ton of really good defensive talent on in the linebacking core and the defensive backs. I still have questions about the defensive line. Some people feel comfortable with them. Some people like me, not necessarily as much. Um, even though you have Redmond, you have the Juco guys, you have uh, Jeffrey Johnson. Um, I'm a little bit more concerned about the edges. I'm a little bit more concerned about the defensive ends. Of course, I don't think they're going to line up in a pure four, three the entire time. So that'll help alleviate some pressure. Uh, but I'm a little bit more uh meh on what i'm seeing from the edges specifically defensive ends as is of it just now. the the overall ceiling or is it the floor that you're worried about it's floor or both floor okay because i'm more worried I, about the ceiling oh really like i just don't think there's gonna be that much talent there this year but the floor i think you're pretty safe You'll what, just get what, what is you get. what is there what is that floor like if you had to say um, on a scale of one, they are just completely inept, and ten, which is obviously they're making uh, all American status. Let's say in the conference, um, <laughs> I'd say about a six. Okay, because I'm or near all American, but I think they have enough talent there to be consistent enough to win games. I think they've recruited well, recruited well enough to still be. Not maybe the jail, a Jalen Redmond or really even a Jeffrey Johnson, uh, but certainly a serviceable defensive end. You'll have serviceable players. Yeah. You just won't have all stars. I think it's going to matter in big games with, but at the same but time, you look at the line, like you look at Stutzman. Stutzman is, is freaking huge now. Mm-hmm. You haven't seen him lately. So that kind of makes up for some of it. It makes it makes me it just makes me think about teams in the Big Twelve that are going to have really good offensive lines, and I think Oklahoma is actually going to be one of them this year. But and they're going to go up against, of course, great competition in practice and to get them prepared. But I'm just concerned about those good offensive lines and guys are going to be able to limit Oklahoma um, and keep that defense on the field. I, I worry about that just a little bit. Uh, That's I'm, fair. I'm more skeptical skeptical on that side of the trench than I am on the offensive side, which is something that I didn't think I would be saying like a few months ago. That's pretty fair. But <clears throat> that's all I have. It's been a lot today. You've got a lot of NBA stuff going down. Kevin Durant decided to go somewhere else. He wants to trade. <laughs> Lou Dort, he gets an extension the same exact day. Um, Do you have anything else? There's so many things that happened today. And it's not even Friday. It's about to be Friday. Yeah, Big 12 got a new commissioner. We kind of touched on that. Uh, Conference realignment, the NBA. I guess we could leave them with a little bit of a recruiting note Mm -hmm. that we can kind of maybe elaborate later on. Would be like a guy like Tassili Akana. I think think someone put him a crystal ball for him. He's been a guy that when you talk to recruiting people, his name always pops up, but you don't really know where Oklahoma stands. It seems mm-hmm. like 
they've kind of put themselves in the conversation and in a firm conversation uh, to lend his commitment. So we'll see where it goes. I don't think it's anywhere near a decision date, but Oklahoma is definitely making a move. And Oklahoma seems to be in on quite a few big name prospects. Yes. There's several big names that will go into the fall and there's, there's several guys that they already have committed that will Mm -hmm. probably move up. So I think they're in a good spot. I don't think it's like the ideal spot for all the fan base, but um, I think they'll, they'll like, you know, a year or two from now, they'll look back on this class and say, yeah, it wasn't too bad. Yeah, no, I, I, I agree. I don't think this is going to be like 2009 class where everybody thought it was bad or maybe was it 2009? That 2009 I mean, two- class that Ryan Broyles. Uh, no, Ryan Broyles was there in 2008. I think maybe he wasn't. No, because that same class included Austin Box. Let's see, I can't remember. It was a long time ago. It was a long time ago, but anyways, it was a tenth ranked class. That class was tenth ranked. Yeah, he had your your guy Ronell Lewis in there, Tom Ward. Who I how know many you love. how many players do they have for committed? It wasn't that many, wasn't it? Um, let's see, twenty two. So okay. not a full class, but maybe I'm thinking about a different class then. Um, but oh no, I'm thinking I'm maybe thinking about 2005. I can't I can't remember uh, because Ron Burles was there uh, prior to all that stuff. Um, he was the 2007 class. Yeah, and which I was ranked 18th, and they had 21. Yeah, I remember I remember being so underwhelmed uh, by that class. And a lot of those players, Ryan Burles himself rated as a three star by many play by, by many places. Same for Austin Box, uh, rest in peace, yeah. by the way. That you turned out class. to be a hell of a class. <laughs> you got like Phil Lodeholt, Jamel yeah. Fleming, Ryan Broyles, Frank Alexander. You had a lot of dudes uh, that were Sam three Proctor stars. Was, was a serviceable guy. There were a, a and Proctor had himself a cup of coffee in the NFL, right? And Stevens. If you want to add that in there, who Jimmy Stevens, the kicker. Oh gosh. Uh, but you had, you had, they had to, they had to do some serious evaluations and that class actually turned out to be a pretty okay. Yeah. Um, and so I, I feel good about what this, what Oklahoma has. I mean, I feel good about who they're getting in, in, in their weight room. I feel like I feel really good about the staff they're assembling. I think a lot of people should too. Um, it's just, People just need to be patient. It's it's this is no longer, hey, secure your spot now because you might not have it later. It's again, like I mentioned uh, yesterday on a podcast uh, through through the keyhole with good friend again Peyton Guthrie uh, to both of us uh, that it's like it's like Hank Hill Hank Hill and how he uh, sells propane and propane accessories. He will <laughs> he will educate you on what he's trying to sell you like brent venables is selling the program and let you go to every other dealership in town and he's like by the end of the day everybody is gonna come back to strickland propane and buy from strickland propane and for propane accessories and they all did um and it's a very stoopsian way of doing things some may say it's archaic uh, especially with this new era of NIL, but it's just simply the way things are these days. Um, so I think we're going to end the podcast there. Uh, just like Steven says every episode, man, join the Discord. It Especially on days like today, oh my gosh. The, it's busy. There are a lot of, uh, there are a lot of people uh, just like pinning a lot of things, lots of messaging going back and forth. And it's not just strictly about football. There are so many channels within that discord there's gaming uh things places where you can go stream uh different sports different podcasts that we help feature and stuff like that join the discord it's fantastic i rec i highly recommend it uh i think steven would too yes i only recommend our discord to anyone no one else's it's free except for red dirt sport it's a good guy he is a fantastic person. He is a fantastic person. Yeah, but it, it, it's certainly it's certainly free, and you get a little bit more insight into things, uh, especially than just the podcasts here. Um, you also 
uh can follow us on crimsonandcreammachine.com and find all these things you can find the podcast there too you can find all the things that we're dropping daily especially with recruiting really picking up for the sooners within the next few weeks in the next month and a half you should really be paying attention you can follow us on Twitter at CC Machine. You can follow me, Kamarabi and CCM. You can follow Steven at OUPDATEDSB. Thank you all again for listening, downloading the podcast weekly. Uh, we're going to have a really special episode this coming week. Uh, again, really appreciate everybody. And thank you for listening and have a great night.